Do not open this door. I had to say it anyway because it doesn't make sense in the movie. And then I got on top and I spit into his mouth. Well, it doesn't ruin my story. It just it just makes it a conversation rather than a story. Perhaps a little drunk <laughs> no. from from the day's festivities. I would love to meet the woman who likes it. Oh, I freaking thought the moon landing. I, I love the moon landing from the standpoint of I believe in the moon landing. Yeah, well, Tommy. Joseph, um, Josephus. You, last time we did the, uh, this is the part two. To, this is the part two to our cheat day. Cheat day. So this, yeah. these are my picks. And last time you asked me if I had any kind of runners up or contenders that didn't make it. And I thought of more. That would fall on the list. So I, many. I thought I'd ask so you, many. you know, it's putting you on the spot this time. Can you think of some you didn't mention last time or that like, these are strong runners up. I want to talk oh, about them. So many. Post, post so many. Give me two. I, I literally, to, earlier today, I, I literally said, man, maybe we should do away with that stupid role. <laughs> Just yeah. This has been so joyful. It really has. It really has. But um, yeah, I, yeah and, and earlier today, I had a bunch in my brain. I was like, fuck, I could, we could have done that. Yeah. Could have done. There's so many movies that i'd like to have that conversation about um nothing's really coming straight into my brain right now well let me give you a couple of mine see if they jangle a little something for you my friend um one of them was a a film i love it just i i love it and have watched it a hundred times gorky park i love gorky park it's a totally imperfect movie but i love it i have it memorized there it's like like bullet in a weird way as many times as I've seen it, there's still moments where I'm like, I can't quite tell you the full plot. There's some some things I'm not sure about. And sometimes movies are just good that yeah, way. That's a, just... Now, that's a movie where I, I, I definitely, uh, I did well by reading the book. On okay. That, Martin, was Martin Cruz Smith. Smith. Yeah. yeah. He did some pretty interesting books, but I liked, uh, the, the, the the book was very much more comprehensive. It was okay. easier to get stuff in there. But but um, I love that movie. Ah, Here's another movie. one for you. I'm surprised okay. you didn't think of it. Jean de Flore. Yep. Oh, there's a movie that just, you almost want to pair it the way you do Kill Bill 1 and 2 as like Jean de Florian and Man Under the Springs is like one movie. A cheat on a cheat, yep. I'd yep. say almost. Well, I, didn't it help that we watched them like back to back or something like that? I think we did when we lived in, in San Francisco and then we had that great video store, dollar video store down the street. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Also, um, there's a, a, a Danish director, I think I've recommended him to you, um, Tomas Vinterberg. There's a movie called The Hunt that I think is great. And then finally, Magnolia. Magnolia. Oh, there's a movie you could talk about for days. Right. Or Black Licorice. Oh, Licorice Pizza. That was Licorice great. Pizza. I could totally have talked about that one. Uh, Same director, yeah. What is it? Um, stupid. Uh, oh, stupid, stupid, yeah. That stupid that movie. That stupid um, movie. The Stupids. Shut up. Shut up. Stupidville. Hmm. Um, Mm. Oh, come and see. We got to talk about that at some point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where, for you know, sure. And we've already talked about the director, so it makes a little hesitant Elon on that. Klemoff, whose wife, and I forget her name, but Elon I was looking Muscoff. at her today. She's a great one. We should do sometime. She died in 1978, so she's right in our pocket. Okay, all right. Okay, so I mean, there's... Lucky just, pocket. <laughs> lucky little pocket. Um, anyway, so maybe at the end, if, if you think of some that you right. were honorable mentions. But now we're on to your two. Yes. And we want to get into this right okay, now. Okay, now I'm going to start. <coughs> I thought they were both 2009, but one's 2009, one's 2010. Can it's, I request? No, you may not do them out of order. They, I think they need to go in the chronological order. I think it's important that we do the 2009 one first, 2010 second. These are your picks. It's my pick, baby. Sorry, that's an interesting. These are your stupid, stupid picks. 
when, at some point when we're talking about the 2009 film mm-hmm. I, I'd love to hear your reasoning behind that or maybe between the two or maybe after the two I, I totally want to hear it but I, I'm all set to talk about this one first okay alright so it's 2009's Dogtooth Dogtooth Dog, did you mean that? Or were no, you I was kidding. I was struggling. Do, uh, Dogtooth by um, the director Yorgos Lanthimos. Yes, that motherfucker. That's a motherfucker. The, bring, the bringer of, uh, what, what's the, hold on, uh, the one with the pig. Damn it. The one with the pig. Well, yeah, well, you, 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 he also did the movie where if uh, the guy chose to, you have to, if you can't get a date, you have to become an animal. Yeah. I can't remember the lobster. The lobster. The oh, pig. the lobster. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that's what you and I, that's the one I showed you years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, what's funny about this one? Okay, so that's <coughs> 2015, right? Mm-hmm. So there's there's 2009. This is his breakthrough hit, let's say, internationally. Mm-hmm. It was it was uh, nominated for like best, whatever they were calling it back then, international or foreign or whatever film. Mm-hmm. And he made one I haven't seen called Alps. In 2011, and then 2015, it was his first sort of like Alps and Dogtooth are the films that made people like Colin Farrell, and uh, who's the guy from Magnolia? God damn, it. Uh, uh, John C. Riley and other people. Oh, that and fucking that gun scene is so Rachel beautiful. Rachel Weisz yeah. want to work with him, right? And okay. then he did, and, and increasingly he's done kind of more Western oriented film. I mean, Greece is Western, but like American, let's say Hollywood films. Um, like the like the favorite with Olivia Coleman, and to and to my way of thinking, although I love dog, uh, I love lobster, the lobster. Mm-hmm. Um, I've oh, Killing of the Sacred Deer also was after the lobster, but before. They're getting, they're still great, but by becoming a little more accessible, I hate to sound so freshman college, but they're losing a little bit of their potency. Okay, fair. In a weird way, so this this <laughs> this is his first one. And um, I get it. I'm going to start by saying this: the person who showed this to me, I was mad at. The next day, I was just like, "Why would you? What is? Is that even a movie? What the fuck is that? I can't believe it. What is that? Cheers. Get out of here! Oh, yuck! Mm-hmm. It's now top ten for sure with me. And uh, I think it for me, it's the. And I'm willing. To, I'm ready to talk with anyone who loves it or hates it and understand both points of view. <sighs> But for me, this movie is to like the parallel is an album that you're like, what is this garbage? <laughs> and then three months later, you're like, this is my favorite album of all time. It, to me, even if you hate it, I don't, I don't begrudge you, and I don't say that you will eventually love it. But I do say this: if you hate it, watch it one more time because you'll either hate it, you'll confirm your hate, or you will fall in love with this movie, okay. which is what I did the second time I watched it. This movie is bonkers amazing to me. Okay. All right. I'll All right. On that. Let's All hear right. it. Um, so, I didn't like the movie. Didn't okay. like it. Okay. Just didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was, in fact, angry. And, and I almost was going to walk. I was like, this is going to be the episode that ends this fucking podcast. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. yeah. I can hear you. super enraged. But yeah. here's the thing. Let's hear it. It's not an entertaining movie. And it's not intended to be an entertaining movie. It's not that. It's right. really about making you think about the fucking contents of the goddamn movie, which I have, and have yeah. subsequently grown to appreciate well, so some things about it. There are, there's that conversation, too, and that's the one we have. With so it's really an art house. Uh, yeah, for sure. It, that conversation is, I think, a really important one to people who love movies and to talk about movies because this is like the divide between me and other people. I think you, in some ways, like for instance, I love 2001. Right. I 100% understand why people are like, oh my God, that's so boring, forget it. 
I don't. I think this is like 2001, except I don't think it's boring. It's something else or a list of other things that could be off-putting to people. Mm-hmm. So I understand what's off-putting about it, but it, it definitely falls in the category of films that you could hate and still have love talking about. Oh yeah. Why you hate it or like oh, why man. it doesn't work. It's <laughs> so fucking amazing. So here's the thing. I, Go like, ahead. One of my little rage points at first is like, what the fuck is this yep. movie? <laughs> what is this? Is this a Because com- really, watching it, I was like, this is a comedy or it's a horror? Of, it's both, yes. It's- well, no, that's the thing. I think that's one of the, I think that's what's going on here. It's both. I think, I think it's, the thing I pulled away from it the most, yeah. what what I think is the most interesting point I've come away from this fucking movie with, yeah. and I'm going to say this fucking movie a lot here, sure, sure. is the movie, and there's some scenes in it that are very specifically like this, but I think the movie as a whole is a lot like setting up a joke uh-huh. and then not paying off a punchline, but just taking it to its logical fucking conclusion. Okay, that's so kind of that interesting turns point. A, Can you just that clarify turns from for a me? Joke, that turns from comedy? Yeah. To horror. Yeah, maybe. So wait, just because a distinction, just so I, I follow because I think I do. What's the difference between not giving the punchline and versus the way you put it, taking cat. it to its logical Let's just conclusion. take the cat scene. Well, I think well, the cat well scene we can't just a, jump into that. I that's mean, a that's, super clean example of exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, but wait, let's put a pin in it and I'll go right to it. I guess what we should then do is is give the framework of I what the story is. I can't wait to hear you do this. Let's, <laughs> you go. Go. Because that's the other thing that yeah. I came away fascinated yeah. by. Like, so what is Joe seeing here? Am I not seeing things or what's going on? And you, I probably am not. So Well, I don't know. I mean, again, I, I think anyone who quote unquote doesn't see something is not to be blamed because it's a <laughs> film that says like, study me, study me, you know, like a, I'm trying to think of like novels that are this way that are like not necessarily intentionally confusing, confusing, but like you, you definitely will the second time get like 10 time, tenfold yeah. what you got out of the first time or whatever mm-hmm, it is. Mm-hmm. All right, well, so there's the idea really comes from from the concept, and, and this is, I guess you have to say this is part of the thematic value, simply because giving the director credit for, for coming up with it and the writer, Yorgos Lanthimos, is um, him pondering one day, what would it, what's the limit that someone would go to to protect their family? Right. And so what we have is we have a, a mother and a father primarily driven by the father, and it's never quite clear exactly why or to what degree the mother's going along with it. Mm-hmm. But they've kept their family in like a countryside compound. That, and their family is they're, um, a boy and <coughs> two, daughters. two daughters. They might all actually be adults. The youngest daughter might... They look might, like young adults. They look like, yeah, eight, 16 Physically. to 22 or something in that range. Yeah. They're all very childlike because they have been convinced by the mother and father that they're the only ones living in the world. Well, no, is that true? Because yes. I didn't catch that. What I caught was that it, that it's so dangerous outside of the yeah. compound that there's no going to the outside. Well, world. that's part. That's and probably, the rest. I think is sort of implied. Well, it, that's there's some confusion <coughs> on that part too. But but you're right. I think that's a bit an apt because one of the complications, and it's a major complication, is several things. They have to set up a world that that they can explain to these kids of theirs who have questions and keep them protected from all the sort of... Um, all stimuli. All, well, no, that's not true either. They have to Outside keep, stimulus. Outside stimulus. Yeah. Well, even that's iffy, but okay, okay I'll go with it. They, they want to protect them from the corruptive influences of the world as they know it. Right. And so they create this, this series of, of complicated lies that are interlaced. 
And the major lie is this, is that you can't leave the compound. We'll get to that. You can't leave the compound mm-hmm. unless you've um, lost your dog tooth, which is like your incisors. Right. Which mm-hmm. I, I take it, I just intuit that those are really difficult teeth to lose. Are the ones I haven't lost. I've lost Nobody, teeth. yeah, I think, I think those are kind of sort of the last to go. Okay. And you, and you can't go outside the compound at all unless it's in the car, the Mercedes the father has. And you can't drive the car unless you've lost your dog tooth and they've grown back, which presumably the parents have told the children they have that capacity. Right. So also, I, Presumably. Right. Or, or maybe they never said it. You, never, you don't really know that part. No, no, they say that. They say both of those <coughs> things. Right. But, but the, one of the things about this film, too, is it does not... Um, it, it it does not hurry to tell you what's happening. Mm-hmm. Right. It's you're you're probably thirty minutes in the film before you start getting any sort of hint at declarations about like how it is why it is they're acting the way they do, which is particularly the first time you watch the film why the first thirty minutes just seem totally hateable. Like this was just a series of skits or something, and then you realize when you get information from the father when he gives speeches about how the world works or how their place in the world works. Um, information like about the dog tooth and things right. like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so to that degree, I think that it's there are some slivers of comparison to films like, have you seen the the Wolf Pack? No, that's a documentary about seven kids whose father. It's a documentary, and the filmmaker went into the apartment in New York City with mm-hmm. the mother and father who won't let the children of the mother leave, and the children are super fascinated. The, the children know there's an outside world. They look right. out the window, there's New York City, but they're fascinated with films, particularly films of Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> and so they retype oh the dialogue from watching the films, and uh, then they make, remake their own versions of right. all of his films. Right. Um, there's, there's kind of other versions of this. Other, yeah, like name Being them. there. Being there is, oh, that's a great one. Yeah, yeah. That's I didn't a, think that's about a that great one. example of it. The, um, and it's it, definitely more accessible. Oh, yeah. But yeah, okay, so so yeah, which you're you're talking about a person who has no access to the world, really. Yeah, I And did, that's what's happened with these kids. The closest the closest two I was thinking, one is Goodbye Lennon, and that's a, a movie about a have one. you seen that one? Yeah. That's so beautiful. the mother the, the son has to keep the mother believing that that um, Germany has not been reunified. Right, right. Um, and then she's the other... such a staunch communist. Oh, <laughs> such a great fucking movie. And I was thinking also this has some some relevance to Plato's um, allegory of the cave. The cave, for sure. Yeah, so, and it's not purely, it's actually in some, to some degree, it's still its own thing. It's separate from those things. One of the things that's, a little, that's challenging about this movie is we have no idea how they got to point from point A to point where we are. That's I like, interesting. I me. like that about a film sometimes. Where it just sometimes says, and sometimes I hate it. Here's where it, it so. is. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, <laughs> I want that information. All right. So go <laughs> ahead. What, what, is it, what is it about the cat? All right. So one of the things, one of the lies that they tell their children is that the most dangerous animal is the cat. Well, that's because a cat appears in their yard. There's a cat just appears in the yard. They've never seen a cat before. Yeah. And so the parents, well, so the parents have to, any sort of outside influence that makes, that creeps in, they have yeah. to come up with some kind of a... No, but they told them before that. That's actually one that they told them beforehand. Because that's why the son kills the cat. And that's also, uh, that's think, also why think, they bark like dogs. I think they came up with that after the fact. That's my understanding. But in any event. Yeah. So, okay. So it's a perfect setup for a joke. It's, okay. The son... Uh, the male of the the young male of the pack. Yeah. Uh, there's a cat appears in the yard. It's yeah. just laying in the grass. Right. And so he's got to deal with the cat. And of course he goes out and gets like a pair of garden shears. Yeah. I mean, 
And then he creeps up on the cat with a pair of locked and loaded garden shears. Yep. And then he kills the cat. Right. Now, the thing where he's creeping up on the cat is the funniest moment in that entire movie. Uh, it's one of them, yeah, yeah. It's genuinely a hilarious moment. Yeah. All right? And then they just kill the cat. Yeah. So there's no second story. There's no actual punchline. Like I said, so when I'm talking about taking a, taking a joke and not paying off to the punchline, but just running it out to its logical conclusion, yeah, yeah. that's visibly what happened in that, that scene. And Do I you think, think that there's a larger you a comic? Like you, you I think I noticed it clearly. Uh, I think I maybe noticed it yeah, yeah. more. But yeah, it was like, because I was laughing when it, when the guy was approaching the cat and then he killed the cat and I was like, fuck, this uh-huh. is disgusting. <laughs> this is horrifying. Yeah, yeah. There, I mean, there are a number of horrifying. But of course... It's the logical. It's where the. It's where. It's where that setup goes without the punchline. Well, oh, one of the things is really is interesting. The, con- the logical conclusions that they that happen either totally work out or totally don't. I mean, that's that's you're sort of. It's it's sort of like a grab bag of like what conflict is going. What's going to become a conflict and what won't become a conflict. Right. Right. Well, in the larger context in this movie too. Okay, so jokes. All jokes ultimately they're tragedy. All comedy ultimately is based on tragedy that doesn't pay off to the full tragedy. It pays off to something else, unexpected. But if you just take that tragedy and you just move it forward, that, that, that then it just becomes horror instead of comedy. That's right. fucking interesting. Well, that's that's what the I'm most saying. interesting thing I pulled out of this That's movie. what I'm saying. And sort of overall, I think the effect is there as well. So, so one of the things they have to deal with is language, too, because there's a limited sort of language that they start with, and then when new ideas are presented, the parents have to... <laughs> to tamp those down, baby. Well, they have to give them other meanings, right? Yep. So, like, uh, so at one point, the daughter says, pass the, um, uh, pass the telephone. Right. And it's a salt shaker. And it's because they can't have any sort of knowledge of a telephone working outside. And the mother speaks right. like very quietly in the room and plugs the telephone in right. so it never rings. And of course, like fucking Trobrian Islanders, they, they concoct this story in their head that she's in there talking to like some mysterious thing or talking to herself. But it's, <laughs> it's, like it's, it's magic. It becomes magical, right? Without, the, without context, that shit becomes magic. Well, and then part of it also is that it, you know, the parents' <clears throat> small human failings, I mean, aside from the enormous failing of them doing this to their Being children. Being psychopaths, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Fucking maniacs. Is that they have these normal sort of failings, like they don't want their children to see things, but they themselves, when they have sex, watch like a pornographic movie. Right. And so then one of the kids sees it like the box of the pornographic movie says what a, what's a pussy or what's a cunt or whatever it is right. and the mother has to say it's an enormous light you turn the cunt on you turn the pussy on and so they have to have all these sort of sort of weird sort of explanations that are bound to unravel at some point but you're never sure which one is going to the whole thing about when when the they film <laughs> sorry they the father asks the children if they'd like to hear from the grandfather and so they put a Frank Sinatra album on. It's Fly Me to the Moon. And, of course, they don't speak, they don't English, speak English, so he's, so he's translating the whole thing. It. Fucking crazy. And every film they've ever seen is only a, a home movie. And then you see these films where they're watching themselves in the home movies, and the daughters are mouthing the words like, you and I would mouth The Great Escape or something like that. Yeah. And so all knowledge is just sort of circular knowledge, but right. something has to come unraveling outside of that circle. Right, of course. And that's, that's where the problem is going to sort of come. And so part of it is, well, the major 
unravel. What would, you, what would you say is the major sort of? Oh, certainly the 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 uh, the young lady. The the right. So the father brings the security guard who works at. I don't know. He works so, at a factory. Okay, or so something. let's back it up real Go quick ahead, here. Yeah, yeah. So circumstantially, the father works outside of the house. He drives to a factory. Well, he's got his dog toothpaste. <laughs> where he works. Yeah, because he's <laughs> right. fucking magical. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. he drives out of the compound every day. It's just the kids and the mom who stay in there. Right. How he ever talked the mom into this, I don't know. But that's beside the point. Well, maybe so, she's as as invested as he is. That's what we never know. Well, it's entirely possible. They're all like monstrously developmentally delayed. Yeah. Um, physically, I mean. So anyway, so he goes into this factory. So so he's that contact with the outside world, and somehow he, he's managed to explain the fact that he brings this security guard, female yeah. security guard, female security guard, back to the house, back to the house to fuck the boy, yeah, she, to work as, on the side as a prostitute. But she he blindfolds her every time, so she doesn't know where she's going. So right? there's no. And real, she goes in she, there and she bones the boy. Which, if you think about it, yeah, it's kind of smart. That's a that's actually a very smart piece. You mean of the father? Yeah, yeah, of course. Because well, you that get gets a young male with young male hormones like out of control with nothing. Like, but he doesn't. Well, it's also part of like the favoring of the son. The son is inexplicably favored over the rest. In fact, you might say the oldest daughter is clearly the smartest and most. Oh yeah, he's and not one that, who yeah. should be addressed, and yet he doesn't address the daughters at all. Right. It's a traditional sort of perhaps Greek, I don't know, patriarchal, whatever it is. But this boy gets all these, and he's kind of the, the dullest wit of the three of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and he's also the most obedient. Like the most automatically obedient because right? there's all this competition that they naturally have, but yeah. also competition that the parents foster, like stickers to get um, things like that. I had a great thing about that. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to take one of your stickers now, Joe. Hand, hand that over. Hand that <laughs> I can't find it, but it's something about. Oh yeah, about competition. They have all this stuff about uh, the, the competition <coughs> with the older brother, the second older brother who is outside the gates. And we never know what that means. That's was a whole there, mythology on that. Was Did the older brother get away from these parents who were doing this thing to him? Was there an older brother at all? Or is he just a sort of you know a cautionary tale? Or was he an older brother who died or who rebelled? There's no real telling. But the kids have been convinced that their older brother is outside the gate. So they, they keep throwing food and supplies outside of the fence that surrounds but the But for compound. different reasons, the brother that is there, yeah. is clearly there, is competitive. And, and shouting over the, fate of the gate that he's done a better job than his older brother could ever do. But the older sister is slicing off pieces of cake secretly so she could throw extra food out there right. for him to survive. Mm-hmm. And, and they have all these games where they chloroform each other and see who will wake up first or sticking their, their hand in hot water. I think that we're going to do that for next Thanksgiving. By the way, I'd like to point out, one of them fell asleep with the, with the rag still on her face. She's going to lose. Yeah. Well, so so also the, so this woman, I forget her name, but the security guard who comes in as she is the only thing from the outside world, and it's never really explained. It's why you're right. It it was a good correction immediately that it's not that they've said there's no one on the outside world, but it's, it's like it's also the, the brothers un- outside as well. So, right. But it's yeah. the unknown and dangerous, and who knows how many people and what they're after, and you can never survive right. there, so we're safe here. The dad will take care of everything, mm-hmm. and in fact, the dad comes back. One of the reasons the cat is seen as so dangerous is the dad comes back and, and puts fake blood and all over himself and ripped clothes and said, the cat almost got me. He got your brother. Right. The one outside of the gate. The one outside of the yeah, gate. Yeah, and yeah. so he brings this woman in and however it's accepted, right? And maybe that's even a plot point that's a failure, but it's accepted that he brings this woman in. The woman doesn't really know what she's getting into. For all she knows, it who could would be, that? who the hell knows? But she's there to do this job. some dough to bone this kid over So here. she's being, but I, he I, won't. You guess, I guess you might say she's being used in a way that prostitutes are used for this sort of gross 
maintenance that the father has procured, but also she herself is using because she's unsatisfied by the brother and begins to manipulate the older sister to have sex with her in exchange for things. And here's where the whole thing starts to unravel because the sister asks for stuff. Stuff, and what she ends up getting is these Hollywood videotapes, and it's the only part of the films that are in English because she starts reciting these things and becoming a, a different, unique person hmm. by reciting Jaws, Jaws, the, movies, right? the mayor's explanation in Jaws, or Rocky Four, Rocky Four. or yep. Flashdance, and she must have seen Bruce Lee movies because she wants everyone <coughs> to call her Bruce, but no one knows why, but they just go along with it for a oh. while, and and she has all these ways, and in, and in some ways. Not only is it unique to her, it actually does create a world outside of the ones her parents have given her because, I mean, the most startling sort of series of events is that the father finds out she has the tapes. Yes. Punishes her for having the tapes. Why? I don't want to know. Let's let's give everything away. Then cuts off the prostitute, which is another interesting scene. Yeah, that's an interesting scene. But then now we're left with no no one to have sex with the brother, so of course we're going to have to have the brother choose between the two sisters. Yes. And the the older sister is chosen, and she, I mean, she's not, you know, held down or anything, but she's not plussed by the experience. It's not a great thing. But her only response is to be able to say, you do this again, Rocky, I'll tell you apart. She grabs from these movies, and in fact, it's kind of her undoing at the end when there's a family entertainment night and she starts using the flash dance, like over doing the dances that they taught her. Mm -hmm. So I think it's in a way, it's like this really cool allegory about like the, the, the only way to freedom or self-realization is if you take something like art and interpret it on your own terms or your own basis. Right. It's a, it's a movie. I'm going to list possible allegories and I'll show up (laughs) and and how to do it. People have talked about this. It's a movie about fascism. It's a movie about social engineering. It's a movie about hierarchies. It's a movie about homeschooling, media, theology, the dangerous world, the collapse of austerity, and the nature of competition. And I, I think any of those cases can be made about this movie. Yep, absolutely. It's also it's, it's also a movie about how how <laughs> gross we are as a species yes! on every level. It's a dark. I mean, it's not a it's not a, a feel good movie. No question no, about like, it. Like I said, I still don't enjoy the movie, yeah, but yeah. but it has caused me to fucking think, and that's what it was going for. So that's very effective. Like those, uh, it's one of those things too. It's like that foreign art house thing. I've I've come across it a couple of times, and usually it's done much not as good as this, mm. to be honest with you. But there's this quality of foreign art house, which of course is that the actors are very, tend to be very deadpan. In this mm, case, the yeah. context for that is justified. Is justified. Yeah, yeah. It, it, but you, as an American moviegoer, I am like, man, maybe they're shitty actors. I don't know. Well, it's here's the here's the scene that that makes me think no, because I hear what you're saying, mm-hmm. but the the scene when the mother and father uh, see things unraveling and they start talking to each other in whispers mm-hmm. the, the the acting on their face when they have to keep quiet is so charged with electricity that yeah. they're panicked that this world is going to come apart right. a world in which you wanted to mention this earlier oh you, did you hate that? Uh, no, no, I kind of loved it, except I was hoping one of them would crash in the fucking yard and kill all of them. So they have to explain like things like airplanes, airplanes coming overhead. Like yeah. how how is how is that a horrible world? And and so it's, they get they get toy airplanes yeah. because of course the kids only see them when they're in the middle of the sky, so they're tiny, yeah. and so they just convince them that those are these. Yeah, that they're closer than they appear to be, and they're just toy airplanes. That's yeah, yeah. Best. They just throw them in the yard. I found another plane. Yeah, yeah it's fucking what a what a, what a uh, horrible. Yeah, it's I mean, yeah, but what an interesting. I mean, 
I, credit uh, to the fucking writer. How to deal with forced perspective. Yeah. It's the, the fi- when they, when they want to eat fish, the father like sneaks fish and puts them in the pool and then harpoons them so they can eat fish for dinner. Right. Um, right. He's waiting to get a dog that, that's been well-trained so he can bring the dog back. But the way to explain the dog is that the mother, when she gets pregnant, can either have children or dogs. It's right. their choice. And they really should do a dog because the cat has become a problem or the cat <laughs> population has become a problem. Right, right, right. It's total insanity. And, yet, and and you you have to suspend your disbelief for I me mean, because just the, like here's one thing the dad breaks a leg that whole thing comes tumbling down oh you know? or the car the car break yeah, won't right. start one day yeah there's a million sort Over. of things there you know no question about it but it just <coughs> seems I, I yeah I'm in I'm in literally sympathy with anyone who's like fuck this movie because it's exactly how I felt the first time I saw it and then. Yeah. And the person showed up and said, well, give another shot. And I thought, oh, one of these days, you know, if I'm, there's no other movie left in the world, I'll watch it. And I did. And I go, God damn it. This is kind of pretty fascinating, fascinating. And, and interestingly done. Mm-hmm. And some things I learned in the meantime is um, it used a combination. It used a, a 50 <clears throat> um, millimeter lens, which apparently is lenses you most people only use for still photography. Okay. And it uses a combination of like master shots mm-hmm. or establishing shots with kind of close-ups. So yeah. what happens is it's the, the filmmaker I'm thinking like it most compares to, I, I think would be Uzo. Okay, fair. Who had that yeah. kind of interesting low low to the ground, put everyone in the same uh, frame. Right, right, right. Because and also like there was a wash quality to the whole thing too. Yeah, that, it didn't lighting. help that every fucking wall was white in that place. The lighting, is, and it's kind of meant to be that way, <coughs> but I think you know what it's meant, all meant to accomplish or what I've heard, and it, I mean, it's one of those things where the power of suggestion, once I heard it, I was like, yes, that, that it's meant to make you feel like a fly on the wall. Of this thing, which is the only way you could even witness that stuff is to be a fly kind of witnessing the, right. the whole event. But it's it's brutal. It's but, sometimes funny. But they call flies pussies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it's a, it's completely uh, just the most absurd. Um, I, I think it's. Uh, uh, I'm trying. Did, here's why I'm glad we did yours first last week. Oh, Christoph, we trapped your brother. <laughs> I can't wait to hear his reaction oh, to this movie. Of course, he'll <laughs> hate it. But, but I think here's why I think it's important. I'm glad that we talked about Tarantino because I'm not saying, oh, this is well, what, look what Tarantino did. But in a way, like for people like us who grew up the way we did, which is like we loved old film, but also we were guided by your dad a lot. Th- weird old film wasn't necessarily part of the bargain, right? Or avant-garde or art house old film or any of that stuff. I I was shocked when you got Seven Samurai. So so for us, Tarantino was this organic experience of like all these ways that things could be done differently. And And of course, again, I'm not saying it's on the same scale, but you know for sure when Tarantino first came out, people were like, you can't fucking do that. What the fuck are you doing? You can't tell a film out of order, you asshole. Right. All of those things. everybody does that thing. Yeah, and so to that extent, whether it's the dogtooth or the lobster, I th- I think I'm. It's like I, I feel like I'm in the hands of a master who I'm totally willing to have disappoint me. Mm-hmm. I, and I think with a film like <coughs> the I forgot the name of it, the one with the Levi Coleman. Um, I want to I want to just get the the name of the film because it's that was my pacemaker. <laughs> sorry, everybody. Um, the favorite. Okay. And that was like an Academy Award winner. She won the Best Actress, all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't. I didn't hate that movie. I liked it okay. But it was clear to me, like, I'm not going to be a fanboy, just like with Hateful Eight with, with Tarantino. 
But but I do think yeah. you can apply even when you run across a movie that doesn't work from either one of those people. You can apply, and even if you hate this movie, which I stamp of approval for me, I get it. I still think you can call this guy a master. Oh, for sure. Because if nothing else, this movie is incredibly effective at what I think is, again, the point of it. It's not, strictly speaking, any form of an entertainment. It's a thought piece. Uh, although I... And it's if you want to take the entertainment out of yeah, thinking right, about it. right? Yeah, so yeah. in that sense, it is. But like, but it's like in the Gladwell, strictest sense of the fucking word entertainment, you know. It's Malcolm but, Gladwell entertaining. Yeah, to some degree, yeah. but mostly because if that airplane had just crashed in that fucking yard, it would have been amazing <laughs> at that point. You know, that's kind of what uh, what was it? Uh, adaptation. Mm-hmm. That's a Kaufman like that was. Kaufman is this way too. He's he's he asks a lot of you, maybe too right, much. Right, but it, adaptation is interesting because it shows the other side of that. Which know? is wait wait wait. Well, yeah. his brother comes in and, yeah, yeah. and screenwrites it. You know, takes over the end of it and turns it into an action film. Well, because it's the that's the again, it's the thing that drives a lot of people crazy. They don't want to go near this, and I understand why. But it becomes the meta force of a movie, right? This one's the same uh, way. It, sure. it, it's it's definitely a narrative about this family, but it also asks you to t- think about movies, right? Or or I guess like, by extension, and reality, man. <laughs> <laughs> I get you, man. No, believe yeah. me, I no part of me thinks that anyone is wrong for disliking this movie. Well, I the just, ambiguity plays to its favor on this one, right? And, and like, it you ends just listed out all those things it could be about. Right, right. I right. couldn't argue with any of those, really. Yeah, and by the way, the ending ambiguous. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, oh, I, mean, I like to think it, she died of starvation. <laughs> Feasting on her dog teeth. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so that was an interesting. Uh, that was okay. definitely an interesting movie for sure. Okay, it's it's creeped into the top ten for me, um, okay. but uh, it could easily creep out. But I don't think I'll ever return to hating it. Although maybe I will. That's the kind of nature of a film like this. All right, it's so fucking. It's it's like I said. It's not an enjoyable movie. It's yeah. That, it's so. Like it's weird bleak to say that and though. Cryptic, yeah, but cryptic, but but it doesn't it doesn't disinvite you from it participating. Lie. It doesn't lie. Yeah, it doesn't lie to you. Mm-hmm. It just leaves things out. It leaves and things makes, out and forces you to. I'm out there, Jerry, and I'm loving every nice. minute of it. All right, Mike. All right, it's gonna hate our podcast. That's all right. All right. So speaking of movies like this, let's roll the clock forward another year to 2010s. Another year. Another year. <laughs> by, wow. Oh, Joe, how did you miss that? By uh, a director I'm liking more and more, Mike Lee. Yeah. He's a well, good, I don't know what I've seen of his. He I did a movie this... called Vera Drake. Did you ever see that one? No, I didn't. Okay. He's this... definitely, I mean, he's definitely kind of, um, he's part of the British sort of homegrown scene. Yep, for, for sure. For sure. And uh, he's really, he likes, you know, he... He highlights the culture of that pretty well, pretty well. And this movie had two of my favorite actors in it. I got to be honest. Who are you two of your favorite actors in the movie? Well, I love Jim Broadbent and fucking he's great. Anything. I think this is the best movie. Uh, okay, I could go with you on that. He's just my idea of what a Britishman, sh- what a Britishman, what an Englishman should be. Yes, you know. Uh, and then I really love this. Uh, go, hmm? You suddenly get to get, get in the song here. What a Britishman should, should be. be. Yeah. yeah, the old bamboo, the old bamboo. Oh. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that, but go ahead. What? Crikey. All right. Um, but also the guy who, pl- the actor who plays his brother in this movie. Oh, he's a 
He's such a great fucking actor. He's in in Game of Thrones. He was in Harry Potter. Yeah. He just plays, he's such a great, and that character, I sort of love that movie, that character. In this movie. The most in this movie. Of all the people, and I kind of loved all of them. Yeah. So, okay, so this movie, next, uh, another year. Another year, 2010, it's, I I think, it's a quiet movie. It's very, very very quiet. Mm -hmm. I want to say, honestly, I didn't plan it this way, but in some weird way, it's not un- connected to the movie we just talked about i mean obviously they're very very different movies on the surface but they're both about families about kind of like reflection and it's 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 a part in 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 moving um, the action along okay so i mean this is a movie about um there's a a couple uh, tom and jerry and they they address that head on like yeah yeah we deal with this name all the time by the way great name and it's jim broadbent so yeah yeah. and what what (laughs) oh jim Broadband. Did you say it differently before? No. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, Tom. Oh, plain Tom. Yeah, and, and they have a son, actor. Joe, and it's like, um, well, on <coughs> first blush, they are the couple or the family that has their act together. Completely, totally centered. You, you could sort of see, or I would say mistake, possibly them as the protagonists of the story hmm. because everything takes place in their... London suburb house right. adjacent to a community garden, which they've sort of just taken over as yeah. their project, right? Mm-hmm. And they're very, very likable people, and they are surrounded by only people, with one exception, who simply can't find their footing in life for yeah. one reason so, or another. So in reality, what they are is more kind of a Greek chorus, kind of kind of the grounding. They're, they're, because this is a movie about humans yeah. and relationships, mm-hmm. they're, they're the kind of platonic ideal yeah that i i got an argument for this but i, I understand that view okay that, that, i mean there, there there are a couple that most of us would envy on one degree or another just for the sheer contentment that they seem to bring to it and they do and they and, and, and they have that very sort of english way especially he of talking about things by asking questions yeah 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 they go all right did it Broke mm-hmm. down, stabbed, were you? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Right? And, and so she's a, th- she's a social worker, a therapist. He's some sort of uh, physical... Geologist. Yeah, geologist a, or something. A, a, a geological um, engineer, he explains it at some okay. point. And he actually... Takes, he takes holes. One of the, the characters you can easily forget is the very first character in the film, and I forget the actress's name, but she was the main character in another Mike Lee film I love called Vera Drake, <laughs> and she is the most depressed woman you've ever met I mean she just and so well played to be mm-hmm. just totally well, disconnected kind of from life you expect a little Chekhov's gun there that's for her to appear more into the movie and, but, but it's interesting that she doesn't but in a way all it's doing is sort of setting giving you a little something to chomp on like okay this is what you're going to be dealing with people mm. who are in one way or another disaffected in life yeah. And so one by one, and sometimes in combination, all of these different characters congregate in this wonderful place, which is Tom and Jerry's house. That's weird saying it, right? No, no, it's great. Because <laughs> they run the local gardening thing, or they're, yeah. they're heavily involved and in they it. Pick the vegetables like fresh and vegetables in their house. It's, and they they're all, like perfect hosts. All these people suffer. <laughs> at, you could argue very easily. They shot themselves in the foot in one way or another. So they have, they have this friend who comes in from the train. He's already drinking and on I, the by train. By the way, I got, I got the point you were trying to make with that character, John. I got it. Okay. Yeah. Well, if you don't say it, no one else but will the get it. The fat, depressed guy, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. So it's all about you. So this guy comes yeah, in yeah. and he's, that's maybe the point I was trying to make. So he, he comes in and mm-hmm. he's just um, 
total facade of being all right until suddenly he isn't. Yeah. And he's breaking down and no, no one really knows how to embrace or help this guy because he's on this totally self-destructive path. Yeah. He's completely lonely. He's miserable in yeah. all his loneliness, right? Mm-hmm. And so you have him... And he has a harder time hiding it ultimately than almost anybody Because he's else a mess. Would. I mean, he's, he's, Yeah, he is literally a mess. He's yeah. just a mess. And so there's this guy and then you have this character who I think might actually be the protagonist story. Yeah, protagonist, antagonist, whatever. Well, because I have a theory kind of coming up here. All right. Okay, Mary, and I forget the actress's name. She's she's fucking <coughs> she's stupendous, great. although she's, she pulls, she's she's cashed in now. She's doing horrible films about, you know, uh, there's one I saw recently. Is she, is she a Marvel? She's not quite that cashed in. But anyway, so, so she works with... Um, uh, Remember when Mark Ruffalo <laughs> was, was our, an actor? Was a yeah. darling. Um, she's she works with um, Jerry's character. She's a secretary in, at the hospital, at the where, hospital Jerry works, where, yeah. where Jerry works. And but she's a mainstay, and she's but she's also kind of a glomer. She's a hanger on, and she wants to announce. She wants to. She's a person who always wants to tell a funny story, yeah. but by the time she gets to you to tell the funny story, it's just full of the tragic sort of facts in the story. Right. And and she wants something out of everyone, and she's wearing everyone's gears down yeah. all the time. Right. Whereas their other friend, the guy who comes in the train, isn't necessarily doing that. But it's you have more admiration for him because he's just he's just drowning in the distance. Yeah. Whereas she, Mary, is just sort she of glomming onto you while yeah. she's she's drowning, and it's well, it's maddening. It, they make it very clear that both of these characters, and really most of the characters in one way or another, yep. are people for you know, as you. I think you sort of said it, but as life just hasn't worked out. They the just, question is, to ju- what degree are they responsible? Well, they're all responsible. I think that's kind of what gets said here. They all get to be responsible for it. Yeah. At least, at least you know, whatever the outcome is going to be. But they just don't. Well, okay. Well, let's go through the... So, so then... They've uh, been disappointed and they let that win. Yes. And the third character is uh, the guy you mentioned. The um, What the fuck is his name? Uh, Ronnie. Uh, Ronnie. David yes, Bradley David, as yeah, Ronnie. David Bradley, yeah. It's just so, I mean, his, oh, he's second only to, to the woman at the very beginning with his, he just wears his depression I, and acceptance my... of depression so well. And, and it's I so the, love that character. Man. Notice, and this is where I'm going to start to go into my theory in a minute here. Notice <laughs> the only time we ever really leave the orbit of Tom and Jerry's world is when Ronnie's wife dies. Yeah. Tom's sister-in-law, and they go to where Tom must have grown up, the neighborhood he grew up in, which is down and out yeah. London. Right, and where Ronnie still lives. Ronnie still lives in this horrible little place. <coughs> and then and then you have this extra complication because this 40-year-old kind of loser uh, hooligan son mm-hmm. has been so shitty to him, and he's coming back only for his mother's funeral. Probably and he shows up late to the funeral. And then pissed at I'm everyone sorry. for his showing up late to the yeah, funeral. Yeah, because well, they didn't hold it for him. What I can't so at every mo- so that's the first moment where you go well okay Ronnie's in this world but part of it is kind of not his doing necessarily it's being done to him and what's interesting I think about this is when when everything starts to reconvene after that sort of in the third act of this movie back to the world of Tom and Jerry mm-hmm. several things if you if you watch carefully there's a theory that and I I'm sort of apt to buy this theory that Tom and Jerry are kind of emotional vampires. They're not actually the the, the good people in this film. Because they always... They drag people into their orbit to look down on them. They drag people who are in bad shape. 
to their sort of perfect lives and they kind of brag about it too they're all there's a scene where they're all all of them have convened at the dinner table and they're talking about when they met and how he traveled all over the world and where they fell in love and the different right. countries they got to go to and the camera pans across the table at these people who are just sort of like so made more distant by what they're being told because that's the life you have but that's right. the life I'll never have right and just, so to some degree, you do hold them responsible mm-hmm. and you think of like the goal of Tom and Jerry, but you also think, wait, this is kind of a, a fucked up and engineered world in a, in a weird way. It's That's not necessarily like the, the, the emotional capital of having dug your own grave. Hmm. That's interesting. But I think... Sure, I said it. I'm going to push... Oh, God. Uh, despite that, Joseph, uh, I'm going to push back on that one just because I think Ouch. like, so for instance, Mary, yeah. like she went to Majorca. Yeah, like she she had a pretty interesting life at one point. But she says it right there, like I was only a, a bartender, and everyone goes, "Well, that was pretty good." And it's like, yeah, because that's all that's going to be your one memory. Her whole thing with the car, she gets this red car, and it's like, oh, of course, it's going to be a disaster. Oh, yeah, yeah. And of course, you're going to find out. Well, you see the moment she drives up, and it she can't she like just parks on the on the curb. But notice <laughs> the nightmare. Notice the film, even with her, where she has all these specific narratives of woe. Right. Mm-hmm. Notice that what Mike Lee. Now Never does is he never goes to her in an ordinary film we would see some of those things happening to Mary yeah and some of the things happening to I forget the guy's name Pete or whatever his name is Ken um, and even some of the background about Carl and Ronnie but you don't the only time they ever leave um, Tom and Jerry ever leave their place is to go to Ronnie and the funeral right. and then they bring him back which seems like this generous offer but then they fucking disappear they go off to their garden, which isn't even theirs, by the way. They go off to this garden and leave them there, and Mary comes in. And poor... poor <laughs> what, what are you doing? Well, I'm just saying that that's what makes it a kind of an interesting film, because I think that, that that's when you watch it, it's kind of there, but not there. You're not conscious of it, because it's such a quiet movie. Because all you can see... I love is, Tom and Jerry. You just walk away going, like, well, it's a film about two nice people who couldn't save the, the fucked up people around them. But I think it's actually more complicated than that. It's about the mm. unfairness of, like, um, the distribution of happiness, if you will, in this world. Mm. And, and I, I don't know what to make of their son, because he seems kind of like a, a, a secondary version of them, like together and, and perfect. I, and he well, has but a, he starts off, like, in the Lonely Club, for sure. Right, right, and, and, and then we find out. He, then he, then he, then he shows up with a girlfriend. So he's the, he's the, I guess the, the example of like you know. But everyone's mad at the fact that someone doesn't want them. Ken makes a pass at Mary. Mary's like, oh my gosh, she's kind of mean to him. But but then Joe's not mean to Mary when she makes a pass at him. But also she becomes the subject of ridicule. Like the the daughter, the the woman that Joe starts to oh, yeah. date, who you kind of she's kind of goofy, but it's like ah, she's fun, she's likable, too fun, a little too fun. She's a little wacky. Uh, yeah. But even okay. she's like doing like a, a like I want to hang myself with my scarf when she learns that Mary's in the back uh, of the house, and uh, it's uh, like. You know, in a way, it's like, I think, I think we've all been a Mary. I've been a Mary. I've been a Mary. <laughs> I'm Americus. It's on, it's on tape now. Yeah, I, I mean, it's like, I think we've all sort of had these failings that people have. And in a weird way, what you don't actually need is a, is a Tom and a Jerry. Well, maybe you do, though. But maybe, but so, so here's the thing. So you're casting them in this. In this evil light, um, no, <laughs> but, but you are casting with a particular thing. Yeah. But if, but if we're, but if we're going to cast stones in our little glass houses, yeah. who hasn't done that? No, fair enough. Because you've I mean, also been a Jerry. 
Uh, Not a Tom, but you have been a Jerry. I have been a Jerry, a Tom, a Jerry. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, no, we've all we've possibly all been one or one of the other. pleasure at other people being losers. Oh, no question about it. But when when <coughs> Mary, after all this, she kind of she does this thing where she needs to be straightened out. Anyone would have to straighten Mary out. Yeah, she's, well, she's, she's too neat. She's I get eyeball that. eyeball fucking the sun with the girlfriend There's all there. all kinds that's, of ways she needs to be straightened out. she's known since he was 10. That's But her friend just says to her, she goes, I need to talk to you. And she says, I don't want to talk to you. See a therapist. She herself is a therapist, by the way. And she just right. tells her that. And it's like, it, you kind of get a little hint as to like, you know, maybe they're, they sort of appear to be these inviting people, but they're really kind of very isolated in a way. Well, I think they kind and of are island. because they have like their own little thing. Yeah. Right. They, they're very much a couple with their own thing. Other people come into their orbit. They don't go to other people. That's what I'm saying. And that's oh. to their, to their fault. I suppose. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going with this theory a little too strongly, but you know, the, 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 Treatment of this film, as quiet as it seems on the surface, the, the person who gets tagged all the time, Ingmar Bergman, with um, the he uses the camera to study the geography of faces. I think this movie shows that Mike Lee does that a lot too. Jim Broadbent has never, his face has never been more interesting and it's always been interesting. Yeah. The combination of the beard and the hair and all like that, he yeah. just like... Yeah, not a good-looking man, but like that was fucking kind of an extraordinary face. I think I, you, I don't think I'd really notice that. Before. If you don't pay attention to this film too, if you watch it, I think too casually, it can have the feeling of like a oh, made-for-TV movie. The Four Seasons. Now it's spring. Now it's summer. But I think it's doing something more careful. I was thinking like the kids are all right, but you know, sort of in that that category. Like, yeah, sort of you know, art house, but they speak English. <laughs> yeah, sort of. I mean, they speak that English. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The bloody English. Anyway, that's my second pick. Another year. Thumbs up, thumbs down, Tommy? Well, thumbs up. Thumbs up. Yeah. And that's, you know, like I said, it took it. I, the thing about Dogtooth mm-hmm. is I watched it last week and I literally haven't had a day where I didn't think about the stupid thing. That's what happened to me, too. It's fucking, it's very upset because I, would, I just wanted to, like, I kept wanting to justify my hatred more and more and the more I did that the more interesting the more you thought of that's the more exactly the process I went through I yeah. can't tell you I was mad at the person who yeah. showed it to me yeah. was, as you were mad at me I guess I was looking to unload <laughs> for this podcast I get it I mean I get it 100% but I mean I think that's <laughs> but I this is the only version of this kind of a movie that yeah. I'd recommend well, it's also, but I mean, like that's when the lobster Gee, came out. Put away the put away the razor blades. I I remember people I who I think are very smart who watched the lobster were like that was just stupid. Yeah. And thinking like, I feel you're just stupid. I know you're not, and I'm not saying you have to like the lobster. I get why you wouldn't, mm-hmm. but to just say it like dismissively like that's just stupid. It just seems itself kind of stupid. You're definitely missing a larger point. That's really the point. <laughs> so yeah, for sure. All right, Tommy. Thanks for indulging me. Well, we'll get back to this in another decadent, year. Decadent. It was. Yes. All right. Like, like chocolate. You and know wine. I, I will say I this. Fucking hate and it, like that. I think listeners will agree with me on this. I feel like of the two of us, one of us got a gift from the other, and the other got a burden. <laughs> and I got the gift from you, yeah, and I gave them, you yeah, a burden. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, more emotional scarring. It's just what I fucking <laughs> needed. Man. Yeah, that's, that's the other thing. I was thinking while I was watching the goddamn thing, I was like, do I need to be more depressed? Like, this is, <laughs> like I got that one covered, dog. I'm a pro. Oh, well. But yeah, it's true. Uh, well, knock fucking, your teeth out. Get out of the house. Definitely interesting. Yeah. Sure. All right, that's buddy. Really, yeah. All right. <laughs> Bring that dog <laughs> to the press right now. Go home. All right. I love you, buddy. All right, bud. Love you. Bye.